This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 13. Last week, we explored how we can find out and maximize living in our strengths and discuss strategies to help you discover your superpowers. We discussed what it would be like if you did live in your strengths and you understood your weaknesses and challenges, how to use self-compassion and loving kindness to bridge the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. Knowing our signature strengths, really our superpowers, is the key in designing and implementing our productive schedule and making sure that we know what are the things that we're good at to grow in that space to maximize and live our best life. When we understand ourselves, our own mind, and our own superpowers, that's when we get to grow to the next level and have fun living in our strength, feeling confident, building success, and feeling our self-efficacy, which is the ability to believe in ourselves, that we can do this, that we can get to the next level in our own life. I hope over this last week, you've enjoyed some moments for self-reflection and journaling time to explore what your superpowers are and how you're going to chart your journey to your next level. Now, before I share our special topic for this week, I wanted to extend a special invitation for all my physician friends to join us to build your time for renewal and reset, to focus on yourself, to renew those promises you made to yourself, to realign with what will serve you, and to reignite your passion for your purpose. The Physicians Coaches Collective is a collaborative of effort by physician coaches, and we are honored to share the space and continue to build this empowering community to help you and support you through your transformational journey. We will be having two hours of wisdom on resetting your mind and your body, on resetting your body through healthy eating, resetting your day with productivity tips, resetting your mindset to become a confident physician leader, resetting your fitness to get to your next level, and taking your life and career an octave higher. And as a bonus, we'll have an hour of group coaching where you get to take all of these pearls of wisdom shared by physician coaches and learn how to apply this to your own life, to your own dreams that you want to launch. So if you started this year with great intentions, but have now fallen back into a rut, if you've decided that you're ready to change and you're curious about coaching and what it can do for you, then this is 
this for you. I'll leave more information in the show notes so you can find out more about this program and take the next step for your reset today with seven physician coaches sharing powerful tools to help you reset on May 8th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 30% of the proceeds will go to Humanity Auxilium to support humanitarian relief across the globe. Check out our webpage, message me or comment below if you're curious and you want to know more. I would love to see all of you there. This week, I want to continue the theme of self-discovery and connect it to a very special time in my life and in the lives of 1.8 billion Muslims around the globe. That's right, I'm talking about Ramadan, which is a very special month in the Islamic calendar. So if you have any friends or acquaintances, please wish them Ramadan Mubarak, which means have a wonderful Ramadan. I'd like to share a little bit about Ramadan and how it really connects to the arena of productivity and self-discovery. So Ramadan is a month where all Muslims who are able to fast from sunrise to sunset. And what that means is we don't eat anything, we don't drink anything, including water. And it's also a time for physical and spiritual detoxification. So we give up things like our morning coffee, smoking, midday snacking, all of the things that we take for granted, we don't even realize has become routine habits in our life. Now, I don't smoke, but can you imagine what it would be like to give it up for a month? How that can set you up in building good habits that you practice for a month and then you get to continue beyond that time period. This is also a time that there is building connection and awareness for the experiences of those less fortunate. So feeling really hungry and having a small understanding of what it's like to be truly hungry, to not be able to eat or drink or have access to that to let go of the things that we take for granted. This is a great time of reflection and I have really amazing conversations even with my children. And when they struggle, which, you know, they do. And and so do I, all of us, when you don't eat for 16, 18 hours, it is hard. It gives us a great moment of connectedness and we talk about what it would be like if we didn't even have food at the end of the day to break our fast and what it means to go hungry and how there are so many around the globe who are going hungry, who have food insecurity, who don't have access to what we think of as our everyday normal rights, having access to shelter, having access to food and clothing, etc. It's a great way for all of us to just remember how fortunate we are and how blessed we are to have access to all that we do. It, It builds lots of gratitude in our everyday life and helps us build gratitude as a habit. It's a time that we spend in not just gratitude and reflection, but also volunteering and donating. Now, during the pandemic, there's not a lot of hands-on volunteering or help that we can do, such as community work, but we can still donate to charities that we believe in and volunteer our time, virtually helping others or connecting with community members, checking in with each other and making sure that each of us are doing okay. It's a time to help each other. And I remind my 
grandkids and as they talk to their cousins and our extended family, we talk a lot about what are ways that we can support each other as a family, support each other by helping around the house or using kind words. I've reminded the kids that this is a good time for them to practice kindness between each other as siblings instead of fighting with each other. But what are ways that you could help each other or be kind to each other and practice patience? So there's a lot of behavioral change that happens during this month that over time can be built into long-term productivity tools and habit changes. Ramadan is also a time for spiritual reflection and really building that self-discipline. I've actually never asked my children to fast. Children are exempted from fasting. And usually children, when they feel like they're old enough, they typically are able to decide when they want to start fasting. But I think just the joy of fasting and sharing in such a community feeling and community activity has prompted my children and others to start fasting when they're younger. And, and typically when they're young, they'll start with half day fast and see how that is. And then they'll go through a full day fast. So that's a long day to build self-discipline, to not eat, to not drink, build the patience and the connection and reflection and all of those things that we talk about. And I think that the reason why children want to do it and, and we even as adults want to do it is because of the joy that is really infused in these activities. There is a huge connection to the global community who is doing this, that connection of we're doing something that is bigger than ourselves. We're connected to something that is bigger than ourselves and we're able to do this hard thing and then this builds our own self-efficacy, understanding our own strengths. So my children during Ramadan typically pick their schedule, when they're going to sleep, a building focus, because they still have to do all of their regular activities, their school activities during school year. And they have to figure out, okay, I'm going to take a nap here. I'll do my schoolwork during this time. And then I'll take another period of rest. And it really encourages that building of focus and understanding yourself and knowing, okay, at seven o'clock at night, I'm going to be super tired. So I need to have things that are built in to help me get through these different times. And so I think that Ramadan for me has always meant a period of increased productivity, increased connection, and increased self-awareness. This is when I really look, where can I push myself to be just a little bit more, do a little bit more? Where can I work on my own self-development, not just my spiritual development, but also my physical and emotional reset? It's a time that I practice a lot more patience and working to see how can I improve my patience? How can I improve my joy and connecting to the moment? Not all of you who listen to this will be celebrating Ramadan and be participating in fasting and all of these things, but I would like you to just think about if you were to take a reset, what would that look like? Now, intermittent fasting has gained a lot of popularity and a huge following because of the health benefits associated with intermittent fasting. So what if you were to practice a reset where you skip breakfast or maybe you skip snacks, whatever it may be? What if you did an emotional reset and you gave up something that, that has been hard for you? Perhaps it could be practicing patience in something that you found really difficult or practicing building your focus. Perhaps it's giving up something that you've been procrastinating on. You know you need to do your taxes or your spring cleaning or whatever it is that you've been wanting to do, but you 
you've just really had a hard time? What if you just hit a reset on that and said, okay, whatever's happened in the past is done. But starting today, I'm going to spend five minutes doing a pickup, declutter, cleanup in, in my family room or in my garage or in my basement. Pick one thing that you would like to do a reset in and use the time mindfully connected to why you're doing it. Why is it important to you? What do you hope to gain by doing this activity? And just doing something like this, even for a week and having a little bit of awareness and reflection and mindfulness around this, I think is totally life-changing. So I hope you get to experience that and to explore that. And as we discuss this more with my special guest today, I hope you'll tune in for future episodes as we continue this journey of self-discovery and building tools to live our best life. I'm so excited to welcome my two special guests today, Uzma Jeffrey and Zaiba Hassan. Uzma is a mom of four and a physician entrepreneur. Zaiba is a mom of four as well and working on her master's in divinity and spirituality, interfaith certification and parent coaching certification. They co-host the Momming While Muslim podcast where they discuss the topics that matter the most to Muslim American moms. Hi, Uzma and Zaiba. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Everybody is like pretty in pink today. I'm loving that. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful day to be in pink. <laughs> yes, not here on the East Coast. It's gray and drizzly oh. and rainy. Oh, so I'm in Indiana, Midwest, and it's bright and sunny. And the last couple of days were gray. So maybe we're getting our we're getting your weather. And it's always days. sunny where it is. So we're not going <laughs> to talk to her about sunshine. We can live vicariously through her. Sometimes. Yes, you're gonna have to live vicariously through me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you both on the podcast. And I have to confess, this is our second time recording it. And I'm just going to own my journey. And it's always been one of my biggest fears that I'm not going to press record. And here we are in episode number 13. And it's happened. And I really like number 13. That is true. And I really appreciate both of you. You've been so gracious in the journey with me. And I've automated it. So now it records automatically. So it's all going to be okay. But thank you so much for your support. So I'm thinking what Serena is not telling she just wanted to talk to us again, because it's that fun. So that's why she accidentally didn't push record so we can have another conversation. Yes, I did. I did have fun. Anyway, it felt like we were just chatting amongst friends, even though we've actually never met in Mm -hmm. person. But I have really enjoyed connecting with all of you. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey and how you've both intentionally created the systems that are needed to amplify your voice and create the change that you envision. So I'd love to hear a little bit from both of you. Obviously, with you're another mama with multiple hats and all of us here today have a gazillion hats that we're wearing at any given point in time. And if you want to do anything remotely well, you have to have the systems in place in order to do it. And we're not saying you're going to be amazing at everything all at one time, but we are saying that you have to set up systems to compartmentalize those different facets of our life so that we can be focused, productive during the time that we're going to allow for it. And that was part of our mission. Mommy While Muslim is a passion project turned almost like a full-time gig at this point. I'm sure Uzma will say something to the contrary. And adding that, what started off as amplifying the, the voices of American Muslim mothers has turned into what I'd like to call a mini movement. And perhaps it'll be a big one later on. But because of that, we have to have it fit into our lives. Because at the end of the day, we take pride in the fact that we're mothers first. And that's at least how I define myself. So everything else that I do for me personally is to help me become one, a better mother and help me to bridge that gap between what our parents' generation did and what our generation wants to do. And my hopes is the Mind Wall podcast will do that for people. Whether you're Muslim or not, that's what I would 
like to say? For me, it was really serendipitous. I was just along for the ride with Seba and it turned into something that has been so fulfilling. And it's just nice to be able to know that something that we enjoy doing, which is talking to each other, talking to our girlfriends, and we get to bring some old friends into the fold with us, a lot of new friends into the fold with us, creating this mom sisterhood that it was lacking when we were early on in our parenting careers. And you don't know what you don't know. And we didn't know what we needed. We didn't even have the language to say it. We certainly didn't have the wherewithal or the resources to figure out where it was, how people built in systems of efficiency, because they just naturally do it. It's like a recipe. Nobody thinks about it. You're just throwing the stuff in the biryani and it sticks. But sometimes you need to have, there's some people like me who need to have the recipe, need to know step-by-step where it is. And while there's not one recipe for parenting, we pull the nice pieces that work for us out of everyone. And the bigger the net is, the variety of parenting styles and parenting techniques that we can choose from, the more helpful it is for us. And in doing this podcast, it's like we we were able to do that and hopefully facilitate systems and processes that are going to help moms navigate when I felt like the beginning of at least the first four years, I was just, I was floundering, I was drowning. And I don't want anybody to ever feel that. And I feel like that's what Mommy One Muslim is doing for Muslim moms right now. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's so true. I think we underestimate the importance of systems because we think, oh, we're so busy. We don't have time to set this up. But by having something in place and using tools to help automate some of these things like putting it to record so that it's one less thing I have to think about. It makes it easier. We have less decision fatigue. Our brain is able to be more creative and think of, oh, now I don't have to think about A, B, and C. What else can I do with my time? What else can I do with my energy? And so I think I definitely echo the importance of building systems and tools into our life just to make our life easier. Because why not? If it could be easier, why wouldn't we do that? And there's so much that you shared about building a community that really resonated with me. I am an immigrant. I've been here actually majority of my life more than I've ever lived anywhere else. But one of the things that when I came here that I struggled with is I just felt like I didn't belong. Like I had to be someone else to fit in. And I've heard that from others too. For the longest time, I just had this feeling of imposterism or just even feeling I didn't have a place at the table. And being a woman and then building an identity as a surgeon and mom and all of these things, like there are all these things that come together and we wonder, who are we? And so I think a community is so important in helping us explore who we are and understanding that we can be ourselves. We can be unique, our authentic self, and we can still belong at the table. Like we still have a space. We still have a voice. And by speaking up and sharing our stories, whether it's our stories or having others join our podcast or other part of the journey and sharing these voices, I think just amplifies the needs in our community, which is we have a lot of unique individual people who struggle with that. Do I belong here? Maybe I'm not a good mom because I don't do X, Y, and Z, which is what everybody else does. But when we all speak up and say, you know what, we also don't do that, or we do this, but we don't do that. And sharing our struggles and saying, this is all so normal and no one knows the answers. We're all figuring it out. And we are all together in this journey. So that community of belonging is so important. So I'm grateful for both of you for starting a movement. And I agree. I think the more voices that join it and the more voices that amplify it, I think it's going to help so many more. And as we start the holy month of Ramadan, I am excited to just hear a little bit about your journeys and maybe some of your favorite productivity tools that you use to enjoy Ramadan with all of the chaos and mommying and all of the other things that you do. Like what are some tools that have made it easier, helpful, et cetera, for you? I'm one of those. It sounds like, Serene, you have teenagers 
as well. And now with, so I have two out of the four that fast the entire month and the other two that do the half fast, they start fasting mm-hmm. after lunch because they're still little. So we really have to put in those systems because a lot of the times our life here in the States as doesn't stop. So it's not like we have those breaks in the day where we can say, oh, I'm going to start cooking these elaborate meals and doing all that. So the first thing that I would say that in our family is I don't make fancy iftars. And the iftar is the meal that you break your fast with before the evening prayer. And we drink water, maybe have some fruit and a date. And that's pretty much about it. And then we go pray and then we come together and sit and eat our meal. And partially because after fasting all day, I don't know about you ladies, I cannot eat that much. That's one. And two, trying to pray with a belly full of sloshing food, not a cute look for anybody. So we try to do that a little bit later. And what I just do is because my older kids now, because of COVID and doing virtual classes, they are up most of the night. So we just have like fruits and veggie platters. And obviously they eat their dinner and they nosh throughout the evening because they don't have that energy focus. So they go and do all their homework and stuff at night. And then they go to bed after Sahur and then I wake them up at noon. So we have to have that system in play just because we're trying to adjust for what the situation is right now. That's the truth of it. And the other thing is I really have the kids help me with planning the meals and doing those types of things. Because contrary to what everybody wants to believe, we're supposed to be fasting from food, but that is the number one thing everybody thinks about. Let's just call that out right now. Like it's supposed to be a month of spirituality, but it's what is our next meal we're going to be having? So just trying to automate those systems, asking for help. I do have somebody once a week because I can outsource this that who preps my vegetables, preps my fruits. So then it's just easy in the evening. I think whatever you can do ahead and little blocks of time, I think is probably the best thing to employ during this month. So you can focus in those free moments on spirituality and connection, which is what the month is supposed to be about. So for me, historically, I, I don't really have anything for Ramadan because I spent my entire Ramadan in the masjid and the kids got frozen pizza or chicken nuggets or something for lunch. And I was like, we are going to eat at the masjid tonight, whatever. So there'd be snacks. It wasn't like I was starving my babies. But yeah, last year was a, a curveball and it was okay because I cooked for the first time in probably seven years in Ramadan. And to Zeba's point, I was not doing elaborate iftars. It was like, here's a date, here's some milk or water or whatever we make, a, a, what we call sharbat. I don't know what the anglicized version of it is. So I'm not even going to entertain that because A, it's anglicized. Then we would go pray and then come back for a normal dinner. So I don't think I did anything too crazy. I did do a couple of special meals, but just an homage to my mom and the moms of that generation who saved all of their best recipes for Ramadan, which is why none of us ever lost any weight when we were fasting back then. Now people fast so they can lose weight. I'm like, oh, it is possible if you do it. So this year I have, like Zeba, half of my kids will be fasting. And so what we did sit down and do last week was start making lists of what everybody wants to eat for. So for the early morning dawn breakfast and what they want to eat for iftar, because I was like, tell me what your must-haves are, because at four o'clock in the morning, I don't want to hear, oh, I don't want this, I don't want that, because I'm fine if you have cold cereal. Like, I know you will not die if you just have cold cereal in the morning or an apple, and as long as you have water, I don't care. And the good news is that both of my boys are really good at getting by on cooking, so one of the key items on their suhoor menu is scrambled eggs and sausage, which they're very adept at making, so even if I should oversleep, they can get up and make it, and we're like, we can make it for you, mom one day. So I'm going to hold them to it, first of all. And second of all, now that they're older, because they're 13 and 11 and a half, they're helping uh, a lot more around the house. Those regular upkeep kind of maintenance duties, I can outsource to them or share 
with them. So that's how I'm planning on surviving in the past. It was just all me. So it wasn't a great process. And I'm looking forward to this phase of my life where it's going to become a little bit easier. And really, my whole goal is completing the Quran, our scripture, at least one time. And I do it in English. Again, it's an efficiency thing because that is the language that I understand and am literate in. And I can finish it a lot faster. And then I start it in Arabic, which has its own beauty and its own significant meaning and touches our heart in a different way. But my whole goal is to do that because it is the month that our scripture was revealed. So that's really important to me. And that's the process that I've maintained for a long time. And it just, it has worked for me, alhamdulillah. Mashallah, that sounds awesome. And I agree with both of you. I I do try to simplify as much as possible what I do during Ramadan. I, I love to cook and I do a lot of like baking and cooking and kind of complex meals, but not during Ramadan, because that is not a time that I really want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. If I have extra energy, I'd rather do something else. We try to, we do a little bit of pre-cooked stuff or a lot of vegetables and things, ginger, garlic, all of that stuff process. Cooking really is more like a 30 minute, just pulling things together and um, keeping it really simple. Cause you're right. We cannot eat so much after you've been fasting all day. It just makes you feel like awful. It's a way to practice a little bit of self-compassion and practice a little bit of intentionality with just eating smaller meals and savoring a little bit of all of that. And the pandemic, one of the amazing changes that I've seen in my children is that before I used to have people who would come and help me with doing things at home. And we didn't have that during the pandemic. So for the last year, all three of them have been slowly learning different things around the house. And I am so looking forward to enjoying the benefit of that during Ramadan, because one of them actually does all of the dishes. One of them helps with clean up before, clean up after. And I'm just like, ah, this is great. And I have never really actually had that because they would help with some things. But typically, I would have someone to maybe even help after dinner, etc. So I never really relied on them as much. And now I think that's something that has intentionally grown over the last year. And, and I'm grateful for it. So you're right, like these different things, these different tools or systems that we put in place. And over time, as our family grows, as our children grow, we can collaborate with them. And, and it's like our own community at home. I think they enjoy it too, because they feel like they're part of it. And they are contributing significantly. So what about not just during Ramadan, but just in regular everyday life, what are some tools and strategies that you've used to kind of balance the needs that come up being a parent, being an entrepreneur and doing things that you're passionate about? You mentioned that the podcast actually started as a passion project and it's grown when there are a lot of things that you're excited about, all these things come up. And what are some tools and strategies that you've used to balance the needs so you don't feel like you're pulled in 20 different directions? So the honest truth is I haven't got the balance yet. That's the truth of it. We, we just have to put that out there right now. We're still trying to get the balance. However, you're always making strides towards that because ultimately that's what we optimally want. We want to be able to do all the things that we can in our blocks of time that we have afforded and allotted to it. So the big thing that I do, and I do this every week is I do time blocks for myself. I add in the homeschooling. I add in all the things like the practice that this, then now recently my self-care time has to be added in there. Cause I, I would always say, Oh, if I have an extra 30 minutes or whatever, I'll fit it in. But I'm realizing if I'm not writing it down, it doesn't quite happen. And that includes working out and extra meditation, whatever the case may be. So I feel like time blocking scheduling are all really important tools. And, and as your kids get older, what I've been doing is now they've created their calendar and they're now responsible for their calendar. Because as with moms trying to like logistically put together the pieces when you have multiple kids, 
kids at one point, it might've been yesterday. I realized last minute, all four kids were supposed to be in like four different places. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. Then I ended up having to get a babysitter last minute because one of them can't get to where he needs to be on his own. So that's the situation. And it does cause for stressful things that come up. So whatever you can do to plan ahead of time to the extent that you can, because we all know that God is the best of planners. He knows better. So having said that with the information that you have, putting the blocks of time. So I put my homeschooling block, my, my own schooling block, my podcast block, my working out, and then you see how much time is dedicated to different things. And because I color code it, I realized I was spending a lot of times in meetings and unnecessary things that I just didn't want to do. So some of that stuff is it allows you to see in clarity, okay, I don't want to spend that much time doing X and Y and Z. So far that's been working, but like I said, I'm a work in progress. I'm a calendar girl, not the pinup kind, but I really rely on my calendars. I always have. So the Google calendar is primarily what I'm using for anything personal or for the kids home stuff, because that's a calendar I can share with my husband and he can know where we are at any particular time. It's important for him because when he's coming off work, when we pre-pandemic, when we were at activities, he would know, okay, directly after work, I can make this game or that game or this situation or that situation. So that was, or he would know what days to take off if I needed him to. So that was really nice. And then for my work, I keep forgetting to bring it, but I have this purple planner. You get them half off at Barnes and Noble. So they're $10. And I like to write on the calendar where I have to go for work because I'm one of those people that couldn't do one thing and sit in one office. I am a black bag doctor. So my schedule constantly changes from day to day. And I only work three days a week maximum. And I need that kind of change, but it's hard to create a system that works. So the purple planner is the system that works for me. And I have this, I have the same set of patients that I'm seeing every single month and just rotating them through so that they're on that purple calendar every 30 days just really works for me. And those are the two primary systems that work. And then between us, Seba and I committed Mondays and Fridays to momming while Muslim so that we could knock out the stuff that requires our brains together. And then during the week, we just divide and conquer the duties that we each feel play to our strengths or that we can serve best with our own strengths. And we just do that and let each other know on Mondays and Fridays, hey, this is the plan. This is what's happening. Or this is the status update. Or no, we're not doing this anymore because it's getting to be too much. Thank you for sharing your tools. And I'm so glad that you just called it out like it is, which is nobody is doing it better. And balance really is a fallacy. Like it doesn't exist. One of the beautiful things that I learned in a time management course, actually, that I took was in one moment in time, we're never going to balance between being a mom or all of the different hats that we wear. We used to call it work-life balance with how things are now. Work and life is so intertwined. It's really hard to say this is work and like on the other side is life. And so it's so intertwined. We can't really separate them. And so expecting that somehow in one moment in time, we're going to have this perfectly balanced scale is not going to happen. And it doesn't happen for anyone. So we can ditch the blame, shame and guilt and just say, it's okay. Have some self-compassion for our journey. And that maybe in this moment in time, I'm going to focus on being a mom and and taking care of what my kids need. And maybe tomorrow I'm going to do something that is more focused on work or whatever it is. And I like to think of my week as 168 hours. And I think about how do I want to spend that time? So in 168 hours, I put my sleep first because I get a little cranky when I don't get my sleep. And Zeba, I agree with you. If if self-care isn't on that time budget that we create, it's never going to happen. And even creating that budget 
budget for self-care. I have to confess sometimes if there's something that needs to happen, sometimes that's the time that I end up giving up and, and I'm trying to be better at upholding the promises that I make to myself and saying, okay, this is my time. Like I shouldn't be giving it up. I need to stay, whether it is just having an hour of doing nothing or going for a walk or whatever it is that I plan for that day for myself, but really just working on figuring out in 168 hours, how are we going to split that time? And if we are noticing, and sometimes I do these time budgets and I'm noticing that slowly work is creeping in more. And do I want to work more? Is that important? If not, I have to figure out there's something that has to go because nobody is going to create more than 168 hours in a week. We all have the same amount, but we can choose by building focus time, by making these time blocks and planning ahead and everything. We can choose how we spend it. And maybe there are things that we can do, either automating it or delegating it or procrastinating on purpose or however we do it. We can choose how we want to allocate those hours, but we can't create more time. So I think that's a huge recognition that I even needed to build just saying, okay, I, I pretend I'm working 40 hours, but really maybe I'm working more. So either I need to give up something else or I need to work less. So that's been a journey. And, and for, I think all of us, it's, it's just a work in progress. Like as soon as I think, oh my God, I have the perfect schedule. Something happens and it's all gone. And I'm just like, what happened? Like, I worked so hard to get there. And so I've just now accepted that. Yeah, it's just going to be different every time and just go with it. And I love glitter pens and planners and journals. That's definitely where I spend a lot of time thinking about my time or thinking about what my focus areas are. But I am a digital calendar gal just because of the ease of sharing and connecting and making sure that everyone's calendars can blend. But I, I do love that whole process of writing things down and seeing it on paper and seeing, okay, yeah, this is how it's going to work. And, and then I make my digital calendar be my executive tool. So lots of great ideas and, and just being intentional and also a lot of self-compassion and, and saying that it's just life. And the one thing we can't let go of are things like sleep and self-care and all of those kinds of things. Because once we let that go, it really, it actually makes us less productive. We try to take a few hours of sleep away and do more work, it doesn't work. Do less and see what you can do, you know, what you can let go. I think that's definitely a great reminder for all of us. So I would love to hear from each of you, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self and some piece of advice or love message that you want to give your younger self, what would that be? So this was, this is always like a, such a fun question that people, because you do have to think about it. And because we've been asked this question now a couple different ways, I would have to say my answer is always pretty much the same. I wouldn't really tell her anything other than just trust the journey. It's going to, it's going to be fine because I feel like we all have to go through the different things in our life to get to where we are presently and presently is where I'm supposed to be. So if anything had changed or altered, perhaps I wouldn't be who I am or where I am at the present moment. So I would just, just tell her, trust the journey and enjoy the ride. Just because our specific community is Muslim moms, my reassurance to everybody is you're doing it right. Everything that you're doing it and it's really hard to screw up your child unless you're actually like physically or verbally abusive to him or her. But if you just love them, it's 99% of everything. And then the 1% is the nitty gritty, cleaning them up, like the basic functions that we all have to do for our children. We have to feed them, we have to clothe them, we have to shelter them. So really you're 100%. I was always searching for the manual and I thought there was a club that I wasn't a part of. And I think my oldest was five or six when they were like, no, none of us knows. Because I was like, where's the book? Where 
here is the one book where all of this is written. And like the religious people would say the Quran, which made me feel worse because early in motherhood, sometimes it's really hard to have that relationship with the Quran and with Allah, with God that we had before we had kids. So that made me feel worse. And then the granola moms had all the Dr. Sears books and everything else. And it's just like, no, isn't there one book for those of us who are just, just trying to do it right? And that's when, I don't remember who, but God bless her. I have pockets of memory that are gone. That's just mom brain. And she was like, no, there's no manual, stupid. Who told you that? So I would just like to assure anybody who's thinking about kids or is in the weeds with little littles, there's no manual, absolutely 100% everything that you're doing is correct. And the one advice that I did not take and I regret, and I'm so happy now to have this platform at Mommy One Muslim in order to reassure moms is that ask for help. You, everybody needs help. We cannot do anything alone. And certainly we cannot mother alone. It's unnatural. Like primitive people lived in community. We didn't live alone and we all need community in order to feel, remember ourselves as individuals and not just somebody's mom. While it feels good to hear, eventually with years and years of hearing it, you lose yourself. And we never want to be what we do. We're human beings, not human doings. Remembering our individual selves and souls and approaching these kids with community it is just so integral to remembering that very important truth. Thank you so much for sharing. I love it. I, I wrote down a couple of lines, trust the journey, you're doing it right. And there's no manual because even I felt like someone else must have this figured out. I just don't know what to do. And I remember hearing, oh, it takes a village to raise a child. And you think, okay, where's my village? And I remember growing up when I was a kid, there was so many people. My mom was busy. I had aunts and uncles and grandparents and, and we just don't live in that environment anymore where family is all close by. We have to, we have to ask for help. We have to accept help and we have to support each other and just remember that journey. And that's true, whether it's a little one or whether they're in their teens. And I hear from parents who've had their children graduate and go to college, et cetera. They're like, yeah, even after that, it still continues. Parenting never stops. It's a lifelong journey, which is great. It's an amazing journey, but we have to understand that this is perfect. This is exactly how it's meant to be. And we're doing it right. So I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? So we have a website, www.mommyingwallmuslim.com. Mommying is a word we coined in the process of a getting trademark. Thank you very much. M-O-M-Y-I-N-G, Wall Muslim. And we're on Facebook and with the same name. We have a group that's the same name altogether. We've created an online village for those of us that don't have a physical one. Believe it or not, a lot of non-Muslim people are there too. So feel free to jump right in and join a join up. And we're on Instagram, I think at Mommy Well Muslim Podcast and Twitter as well. Isma, did I forget anything? I always feel like I forgot. Oh, I think that was everything. Oh, LinkedIn. And we can find us on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time you have spent with us and all the wisdom that you've shared today and coming back a second time. And I've really enjoyed chatting with both of you. So I look forward to more collaborative efforts in the future and just enjoying this journey together in, in, in a collaborative community. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. This is fun stream. Thank you. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story, 
to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.